Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, November 19th, 2021. Well, today we are starting the short letter to, or from Jude, the letter of Jude. And Jude identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, what we know from tradition and church history is that Jude was also a brother, technically half-brother of Jesus Christ, but he identifies himself here as a servant or a doulos, a slave of Jesus Christ. Now, what is Jude all about? Well, it's not about taking a sad song and making it better. Uh, This is actually a pretty intense letter, and we see that pretty quickly, even as it starts there in verse 3, saying, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ." So there, he makes it clear right up front, hey, I just kind of wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but I had to write to you to contend. Contend is a word that kind of means to fight, uh, a word that um, really means we, we have to fight for what we believe. We have to defend the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And why do we need to do that? Well, there's these people that have crept in unnoticed. God knows who they were, but they're ungodly people. And what is it that they do? They pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And so as we think about that, we need to realize that even though this letter was written about 2000 years ago now, these are still things that we must consider. We must contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Even that idea of once for all gives us a sense of finality, right? That this this faith that we believe is the same faith because it was delivered once for all. Now we hold on to that same faith throughout the ages, ultimately based on the word, especially now that we have the New Testament, right? It's been delivered to the saints. We have this word and we are going to contend for the faith. And one problem the faith will always encounter is those who pervert the grace of our God. And, and notice it doesn't say, you know, they talk about grace because is, is God gracious? Yes, absolutely. The grace of our God is an incredible thing. And he doesn't say, oh, they, they overemphasize the grace of God. Let me just tell you this plain and simple. It is impossible to overemphasize the grace of God. In fact, I don't know, I think most of us, we can't help but underemphasize because we can't even fully wrap our minds around how incredible and rich the grace of God is. That's why we sing, it's amazing grace. 
because it's a superlative. It's kind of beyond what we can even understand or express. That's how amazing the grace of God is. So nobody will ever overemphasize the grace of God, but people will pervert the grace of God. They will twist the grace of God and either explain it in unbiblical ways or apply it in ways that the Bible uh, does not apply it. And here it seems somehow that the grace of God was leading into sensuality, or really some kind of uh, licentious living, people then doing whatever they wanted. And that is never how the Bible talks about the grace of God. The grace of God forgives, but the grace of God also transforms. The, the grace of God should never be an excuse. It should never lead us into sensuality. But it says that it causes them to deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And even that was a great uh, theological controversy, uh, really uh, in its full force a few decades ago, really this concept of lordship salvation. Can you be saved without having Jesus as your Lord? And some people were saying, yes, yes, you can be saved without having Jesus as your master and Lord, basically. And how does that square with verses like Jude 4, where it describes Jesus as our master and Lord and describes those who pervert the grace of God as those who deny our only master and Lord? So this reminds us just of an error that we still need to be on guard against today. Uh, there are still teachers today that will pervert the grace of God. And sometimes you can see it by just what they say, and you can also see it by the fruit. When the fruit of that teacher or of that church really seems to lead towards sensuality, uh, leads to ungodliness, uh, that's where we can know that that is not the way that the grace of God should be taught. That is not the way that the grace of God should be explained. And it just talks about you know, these examples, even from scripture, just of rebellion against God, whether that's Sodom and Gomorrah, or whether that is, it gets to the way of Cain, Balaam's error, Korah's rebellion, um, all these things. And, and just what a blight on the church, this sensuality and this rebellion against God is. So may we be on guard today. We can never, we will never overemphasize the grace of God, but there are still to this day people who will pervert the grace of God. And we don't want to do that in our own lives, in our own churches, in our own homes. Let's continue to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And one way I think that people pervert the grace of God is that it's they really present a lopsided picture of God because they only talk about his grace. And that's where I think we can't understand God's grace unless we understand God's justice, unless we understand God's holiness, and really even unless we understand God's wrath. And we'll get a picture of God's wrath as we look at Ezekiel 21 and 22 today. I mean, chapter 21 is, again, these are more intense chapters, speaking of judgment. Uh, chapter 21 speaks of the Lord. It says in verse 3, And say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, and will draw my sword from its sheath, and will cut off from you both righteous and wicked. And later in verse 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, Say, A sword, a sword is sharpened, and also polished, sharpened for slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. So any explanation of the grace of God that doesn't have at least a part 
in the picture against the backdrop, really, of God's holiness, his justice, and his wrath against unrepentant sin uh, will be short-sighted and even short-souled. I mean, the great part of the reason God's grace is so amazing is because of how undeserved it is. And passages really like Ezekiel 21 and 22 remind us of how undeserved it is. As we see God's righteous wrath and we should begin to confess, you know what? I deserve that. I deserve God's righteous wrath. But because he is so full of grace, there's another road that is open through the death of Jesus Christ. The way the grace of God is poured out on us, there is a road to redemption. There is a road to forgiveness all through Jesus Christ and all because of the grace of God. And we're going to see a couple passages, I think, that really show us the grace of God. And I hope encourage you today as we wrap up with these. And the first we'll see in John chapter 10. And here Jesus tells the familiar story of being the good shepherd. And also before he says he's the good shepherd, he talks about being the, the gate or the door of the sheep. And he warns really against those who are false teachers. And I think connect is we're thinking about Jude, those that would really pervert the grace of God. And, and he talks about uh, in verse 10, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Wow, that that is what God wants. You want to see an expression of the grace of God? He wants you to have life and he wants you to have it abundantly. And that's again, we need to understand that the grace of God is trying to keep us from sin by showing us there is something better. Sin wants to destroy us. God wants us to have real life and abundant life. And then as Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, one thing that he shows as a part of that goodness of being a shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. And we know ultimately that refers to his death on the cross. And that is the greatest expression of the grace of God, uh, that Christ died for us. The good shepherd has laid down his life for his undeserving and rebellious sheep. Uh, Let's rejoice in the grace of God today and let's not pervert it. Let's take advantage of the grace of God by walking in obedience to live that abundant life that God wants for us. We also see just a picture of the grace of God in Psalm 130. I love this Psalm, just the longing that is expressed here, but also a sense of gratitude for the mercy of God. Clearly, the the psalmist is in a tough place because he talks about crying to God out of the depths, but he speaks really of the forgiveness of God in verses three and four. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And the implied answer is nobody. If God was marking all of our iniquities, no one could stand before him, but with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I've always loved that verse because you get a sense of forgiveness. With you, there is forgiveness so that we can go and do whatever we want and know it's all good. No, that's not what it says. With you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. But even along with that fear comes hope. And that's what we see in the next verses. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. I love that verse because what is it that we hold on to while we're waiting for the Lord? Because we're waiting for him. We're not seeing him provide in real time yet. We're still waiting. So what do we 
base our hope on in the meantime? We base it on his word. And we hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Praise God for his amazing grace. May we live in that and not twist that in any way today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. So learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.